Welcome back to the 750. I am your ORG Ochoa. He is your 75, two times Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer. Rest primed, ready for football every week for now until forever, seemingly. Tony Casillas, TC, what up? Man, I don't know about rest, uh, but <laughs> regardless, it's great to be here with you this morning on a Tuesday. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward. Thursday is the inaugural preseason for. The NFL, so I'm excited about that. I guess, I guess, yeah. it depends on what we see, but because it's going to be a little, but uh, this more, more importantly, excited about this weekend. Obviously, the Hall of Fame and my former coach Jimmy Johnson getting inducted. Yeah, I want to get to that. Um, I do want to caution every Dallas Cowboys fan that's super pumped for Thursday. Maybe because I know we have a lot of younger listeners too. Maybe some people that are still newer to you know watching football. Everyone's they don't know who Jimmy Johnson is. Well, no, that wasn't what I was going to say, but <laughs> uh, I was going to say, um, you know, because Thursday, Tony, it's like ev- everything you open on social media is going to be football is back. Football's, you know, what I mean, like that's, and everyone's going to go get their their top food choices. They're going to go their favorite pizza place or favorite wing place, or you know what I mean. They're going to get the whole nine yards, uh, and then they're going to come. I actually never understood where that expression comes from, by the way, because wouldn't you want the whole ten yards? Like generally, it's first and ten. Um, but but whatever. Well, I don't know. Where that... As long yeah. as you you know, I think football fans have just been as always starving for. <laughs> You know, the NFL or college, right. uh, no pun intended. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's great that now we have something uh, to watch. And sure. as we know, there's uh, you're not going to see your, your start playing a whole lot of the game. But nevertheless, it's just a symbolic. We can actually watch that with, uh, with obviously the Olympics, which I've been in and really been watching that. So uh, this gives people choices, I, I would say. I agree. I mean, I'm not complaining that football's back, but where I was getting at before I distracted myself is everyone's going to get all pumped up, Tony. They're going to sit, they're going to put on their favorite Cowboys Jersey. I saw there was a Casillas Jersey floating around Oxnard, by the way. Uh, I know (laughs) Jane Slater was, was on the case to figure out exactly what the story was there. And everyone's going to sit on their couch, say football's back. Hell yeah. And then two plays in, People are going to go, this sucks. I do not want to watch this preseason. Um, bring me the regular season. Uh, but still, it's football. It's awesome. Uh, what is your favorite memory of the preseason? Or do you? Well, first you of all, it was, it was so funny. You talk about Jane Slater. She actually sent me a, a picture of that, texted to me. And uh, I was like, well, obviously, the guy, he needs to Google, uh, you know, Casillas, because I actually, there was a Casillas that actually played on. The Cowboys, but that's, uh, you know, Casillas, I guess, is a very common name. So it was good to see him have number 33 on. At least that's a, one of the greatest of all time, if uh, Tony Dorsett, if that's who he's representing. But uh, I thought it was funny uh, to see that, nevertheless. Maybe uh, he had that jersey because he found out you bought a Tony Dorsett jersey. You know what I'm saying? So he just he merged the two worlds. If we want to spin it that way, I'll, I'll ride along <laughs> with you on that one. That sounds great. But I just thought it was funny because I think if you go to watch training camp, it's a great place to watch. But to the point of preseason, my best memory is when it was over. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, it was an era where uh, I think Johnson the point is that you, you went through training camp, camp and you had to get your legs back. It was almost like a twofold. You had to get your legs back because training camp is so and hard. So you had to really just kind of retrain yourself to get ready for the regular season game. But 
Um, you know, I always thought the best the, the best part of preseason is the ending. Obviously, you need, you, you know, the reps, and I've mentioned this before, you have to get your body acclimated to the physicality of it. But uh, it's a necessary evil. I think it's more RJ for evaluation of younger players and people that, you know, players are going to maybe what, you know, make your roster. But other than that, it's uh, at, point, at, at times you think it's senseless. But reason why they have preseason games is because it's TV revenue and people watch it and they love it. That's true. Uh, TV revenue is all the rage in all levels of football, especially the world of college football right now. But uh, it is what it is. Speaking of TV, I cut the cord, but that's a whole different subject. We can talk about that offline. I'm, I feel liberated. But um, but the, uh, <laughs> the Dallas, this preseason game on Thursday, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game will take place on Fox. Uh, generally that game's been on ESPN. So things are just a little bit different, but everybody know it's on Fox. Uh, we will have an article available for you at the boys in case you are confused. Uh, we let you know how to watch and how to listen to it, but, uh, that's the game. But I, as mentioned, Tony, I think the thing everyone's looking forward to the most is the enshrinement ceremony on Saturday because Jimmy Johnson's finally going to get to go in. There's been a lot of great material floating around, um, you know, the internet, different spaces, different media spaces, uh, in the lead up to Jimmy's enshrinement. I saw Bob Sturm had a great piece over at the athletic where you were a part of it. Uh, a lot of different, you know, former Cowboys players from that time just kind of told some Jimmy stories. Did you see the story, the second story that Troy told to Bob Sturm? You know what? I, I know that Bob, because he, he reached out to him and I was part of his piece, but I have not read it yet. Uh, but I will now that you mentioned that. Uh, but I mean, there's so many great stories about Jimmy. I, I'm just curious to what Troy had to say. Well, so Troy, um, I don't know if you feel cheated, Tony, but uh, but Bob let Troy tell two stories about Jimmy. So I know the rest of you got one. Uh, so well, this I told was... a lot of I told a lot of great stories. I guess you had to pick the best one. But if right. you're the greatest of all time, quarterback for the Cowboys, and I guess you get two stories. Sure. So um, so this the second one, uh, Troy said, and again, everybody go read this story in the Athletic that he was in the Bahamas and after the Super Bowl in 93, you guys are back-to-back world champions. You guys are on top of the world. And Troy said he was there fishing with some friends. And he said that Jimmy had set him up uh, with this GM at the Crystal Palace Hotel and Casino. I don't know if you've ever been there, Tony, but obviously Troy had a good time here um, as the (laughs) back-to-back Super Bowl champion winning quarterback. Uh, But Troy said he was up $10,000 on the gambling table when he got back to his room. Um, he said he didn't have his workout for the next day. So I, I, this is kind of what I thought was fascinating. Um, so I don't know if you guys would have these like printed out or something, or like you just would write down your workout or something. Uh, but Troy said, so he called, um, you know, your strength coach at the time and, you know, said, Hey, I need my, my workout, you know, can, and he actually said, this is the line. Can you fax me my workout for tomorrow <laughs> so I can get it in? True story. Uh, and, and Troy said that he, he, he on the message he left, he said, oh, by the way, if you run into Jimmy at the facility, tell him I'm kicking their ass on the tables. And he hung up. <laughs> and so he said the next morning he's they went deep sea fishing. And so they left really early. And he said he's waiting for his friends in the front of the hotel or wherever. And the GM of the casino goes out to him and says, hey, when you get back, coach says he's going to meet you at the tables. And Troy was like, what are you talking about? And the guy says, Jimmy Johnson, and he's he's coming over here. He's going to meet you at the table. So apparently Troy talking crap about being up on the tables inspired Jimmy to just fly down to the Bahamas. That's just the kind of life Jimmy Johnson leads. 
Well, it's, it's kind of, I'm kind of curious. Did uh, Detroit take home that $10,000? Did, uh, did Jimmy, did he, who won the most money? Uh, all I know is that anytime you get emotional at a casino, your ass is going to lose. I just know that by my experience. So sure. uh, hopefully it worked out for both those guys. But yeah, so I, I obviously vividly remember the fax days. Um, and that would be Mike Worsick, our strength and conditioning coach at the time. Uh, but, you know, that's that's kind of the how competitive Jimmy Johnson was. Because right. here's Troy. He's uh, he's in the Bahamas at this casino, and he's ten, kicking you know the, the dealer's butt ass up ten thousand dollars. And here's this coach Jimmy Johnson that says, you know, and you know at the time maybe he may have been the keys or whatever maybe. And it's like I'm just going to go over and see. I'm going to one up you. So it's really interesting because uh, you know through all these damn these stories that we tell about Jimmy, you can embellish a little bit, but they're. Most of point, most of the time, they're on point and they're true. Right. You know the the most heartbreaking part of, of reading this. This was a story that Bob put at the end, um, and again, the whole thing was really awesome. Is is Troy said to Bob that you know that was when he really felt like things were really just at their all time high in terms of his relationship with Jimmy. It's obviously been well chronicled how how Jimmy recruited him twice in college, and, and Troy didn't want to play for him, and obviously had to in the NFL. Um, and Troy said that that was the last time that he saw Jimmy before he went to the owners meetings that spring when him and Jerry had their, their fight that obviously led to, to Jimmy's departure from the team. And so uh, he said that was the last time he ever saw him as the Dallas Cowboys head coach. It's really just, you know, that like when I was reading that story, I didn't expect that twist to kind of hit at the very end. Um, there was also a great story, Tony, uh, over at ESPN on Monday about mm -hmm. the origins. And this was something I really wanted to ask you about uh, of Jimmy's how about them Cowboys and, um, the article did such a great job at setting up and Todd Archer wrote it really fantastic piece again over at ESPN.com um, about the moment. Obviously, you win the NFC championship game. You're going to the Super Bowl. And and that line that Jimmy says is so symbolic. It's become I mean, like to say it's become a catchphrase, I don't think is is like quantifies what it is. It's become like an identity of the Cowboys almost. Um what was that moment like? I mean, can, can you walk us through the how about them Cowboys, kind of what you felt um, and, and, and kind of how everybody felt, what, what you remember from that day when you beat the 49ers? Well, first of all, I always thought it was just interesting that you have these, these different coaches that can coin these phrases that will live forever. And it was just in the moment after that we won the game and just came out of his mouth. And little did we know, 20-something years later, you know, that's going to be the phrase. And – to me, uh, would have a patent on a, something that's been said so many times. And everyone identifies with that, uh, different generations. Um, now, obviously, it meant a lot more to us back then because we just won the SC championship. So we just – it kind of perpetuated. And um, I just remember, you know, in, the, in, that, in that 49ers game, we were an underdog. And it just the, the whole backdrop of the game, it was – there was a, it was a monsoon rain. There was an earthquake. And, you know, we ended up winning the game versus San Francisco. And I just remember there was this, you know, Jimmy was always a guy that made you pay attention to the little things. I mean, people hear that all the time, but it's really true. I mean, you can be the best team. You can be, uh, you know, you can overmatch someone. And, and as, you know, the 49ers were, but it's a little thing. So he really just honed in on that. Um but I just, you know, to me, people ask me, so, well, what's the, 
you know, what's your fondest memory of your career? And I said, well, really, the Super Bowls with the Cowboys, but really it was the NFC Championship game because then you actually knew that you realized that you're going to go on the next step of the Super Bowl. It just – when he said that, it was just this catastrophic just celebration. And, you know, today it's a vivid – it's something very vivid that sticks in your mind because you're in that locker room. You're around a coach that really just commanded you to – do the little things and do the things a lot of people wouldn't do for just another coach because they just didn't connect that way. Um, but I'm just amazed that it's still stuck for this many years. And if I'm, I was thinking about this when I read that article, it's like, it's like that's one of those phrases that you want to patent and copyright <laughs> because it's been used so many times. It's almost like, you know, maybe this is an extreme, but it's uh, it's like Michael Buffer. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. I mean, it's right. something that, you know, with Cowboy fans, it, it you know, resurrects with them, right? Um, and really just connects with them. But, you know, it was just one of those feelings of just you realize that, dude, we're going to go play in a Super Bowl. And that dude right there realized that. And, you know, Jimmy wasn't a very, uh, you know, he was emotional, but he really didn't, he kind of put his guard down when he really felt like that he accomplished something because mm -hmm. that's what he – and I think that that's so great about seeing him when he found out he got inducted to the Hall of Fame to see those right. emotions pour out and the breakdown. And then just really it's it's a touching moment for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I think a lot of Cowboys fans maybe hold hold the memory of the, the first NFC championship game a little bit closer to their hearts than even the Super Bowls. Um, and, you know, I know several of, of you guys have spoken about that over the years about how it was it was just like beating buffalo was kind of a formality right like like it was like we we beat the 49ers like who who were the buffalo bills you know like we're not worried about these buffalo bills um a lot of like you know the the road to the super bowl went through the nfc in those times uh, even mm -hmm. if it wasn't dallas and san francisco green bay obviously a heavy hitter at the time and so i i just i find that so fascinating you know I remembered that the patent happened fairly recently. The, uh, Todd Archer noted that it wasn't until 2016. That was really shocking to me that, you know, that it took from, you know, early, the early days of 1993 until 2016 for a patent to be filed on how about them Cowboys, uh, which, and, and a lot of like, it's kind of like America's team. Like a lot of fans try to rip it off. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of like people, people in, in those fan bases that'll be like, man, how about them Bengals? It's like, that's the dumbest thing yeah, of all not, time. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's, it's not like, the same. No, that it won't work. Um, but that is, I, I mean, my takeaway from that, just again, you know, as a fan watching is it does seem like he was so like, I mean, he's, he was such a master of, of I don't want to say psychological warfare. I mean, you lived it, but um, to, to, to show like such a level of like pride and excitement and euphoria had to be, a, you know, I, I know he was like that with you guys, but it had, it had to be a different thing in that moment, which it, I mean, it, it, because everybody who, who was a part of that moment, yourself included, always talks about how it was just a different side of him uh, that people saw, as opposed to like the other stories that we hear and that you tell, like the, the story you told Bob Sturm, you know, about the flight home from Washington. Like mm -hmm. it's 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 amazing that that's the same person, you know what I mean, that could that would cut guys for, for no reason that was, you know, to your point, now realizing that you guys were headed to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just it's the coolest thing. ever. Well, here's my analogy, RJ, is that when I look at Jerry Jones, how successful he's been as an owner. It seems to me he's always two steps ahead of everyone else or one step ahead of everyone else as far as his branding. And that was kind of like Jimmy. Jimmy was always one step ahead of everyone else because he's always thinking 
you know, what I need to do to keep these guys motivated and keep them humble. And I think that that's what he did. And all these stories that you, that have, or that are told about Jimmy, uh, they're fascinating. Uh, I, I think that he realized, and, and you know, I have a podcast and I had, I have him on this week and we're going to do a prelude to the, you know, the Super Bowls that I asked him and, and, you know, he's very competitive. Uh, so we start. I started asking him questions. I said, well, you know, because he's a big fisherman. And he told me he likes to go fishing by himself. That's the way he kind of decompresses himself. And he told me about the time that he caught uh, this big, uh, this big marlin. And he got, you know, these stories that he tells you, but you're, you're thinking you went fishing by yourself and you, you know, you landed this 275 pound marlin, uh, swordfish, whatever it may be. And he goes, yeah. And, uh, but that's the way he was. He's very competitive in what he does, but I think now when he looks back at it, uh, I think that he realizes that the appreciation that everyone has played for him. It's like, coach, you know, that wasn't, as you call psychological welfare, that was you motivating a group of guys that needed you, that needed that tough love and everything else that went along with it. So we can tell the stories because to me, the stories are better and bigger whenever you have accomplishments and you see someone like Jimmy and like, I don't know if that would work in today's football environment because it's changed so much because I think it's more on the players to do it um, and not the coach. Uh, and I may be a little off base with that because people need some, a coach to be, to be very judgmental and tell them, you know, this is the way we're going to do things. But, you know, everything, that, everything that the, the stores are told or, we're, we're not uh, we're not fabricating them that a whole lot, you know. We're not it's not uh, not fabricating, but we're not exaggerating them. They're really really true. So how many times can you do? That? I mean, I could sit here and tell a story, and I can twist it and turn it and make it a better story. But you know, Jimmy, that was the best part about him, RJ. He's, he's authentic, and it's like you know, if you don't like me, you know, I really don't care. I mean, I asked him. I said, you know what? I said, uh, and also asking this is this is Jimmy Johnson. I asked him, I said, Coach, what do you want to be remembered as? And the people, when he goes, man, he goes, Tony, I really don't care about what people think about me. I know that what I've done and what I accomplished, he goes, man, I don't care. It's like, that makes sense because who, who, everyone gets asked that question. But he's like, hey, I'm, you know, I don't really care what other people think about me. And he's like, yeah, I believe that. That's true. You know, I think you hear so often, in in sports i was gonna say the nfl but like people that say like you know i just want to win like winning's all that matters like winning's the most important thing uh like one of the coolest things that tom brady says i mean and only tom brady because this is you know when he's asked like what his favorite super bowl ring he is he says the next one right like that's that's the one like i'm i'm kind i want to just i'm obsessed with winning and that's like jimmy was kind of the first cut of people like that it feels like and in at least a long time because J jimmy i feel like was the introduction of the nfl to a new era uh, because every great head coach to that point in time had been this really stoic, reserved personality. Obviously, Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry, Chuck Knoll, Bill Walsh, people, you know, that kept things kind of close to the vest. And here's Jimmy, you know, chugging Heineken's and, you know, out here cussing dudes out and, and bragging about it. You know what I mean? Wearing short shorts and, and having polished hair. Um, and that, one of the, the other stories I wanted to ask you about, because I know, um, you know, you guys all talked to Bob Sturman, told different, you know, just stories about Jimmy, kind of the person. And then 
the Todd Archer's piece was about how about them Cowboys, which was after the 92 title game. But a story that I, I, I honestly feel like doesn't get talked about enough was the guarantee in 93. And I'm, I'm, I've never asked you this before, but like, what was that like? How did you find out? Uh, and, and just for it, for younger fans, like we kind of joked about early, um, you guys are going into the title game in 93 against the 49ers this time at Texas stadium. And Jimmy, you know, the, the legend is he's listening to local sports talk radio driving, I think to dinner uh, and just listening to people talk about like, man, you know, it's going to be a close game. You know, the 49ers are really going to hang with the Cowboys might beat them. And so he just says like, this is stupid. And he calls in and, and tells them, you know, guarantees we're going to win the game. And what, I mean, he says, you know, you can put it in three inch bold letters, you know, on, on the front of the paper and they do. Well, I mean, what was all that like? Did you get a copy of the paper? Like, I mean, what was your experience with that story? Like, well, first of all, when we found out about, it, we're like asking each other, Jimmy had before he, <laughs> that statement and yeah i think that we really didn't think much about it i think that he did say something in the and 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 kind of reference to that it's like hey you know i i need you guys to back me and what i said so don't prove me wrong we're like okay we got you uh but you know i think that that's uh, the confidence he had i think that the the, the the brilliance of a great coach is being able to, as I said, be one step ahead of everyone else and always have this alternative, this alternative, uh, you know, goal, uh, whatever it may be, uh, you know, whatever uh, his agenda was to motivate you. And I think at that point, he really felt like we're the better team. So he's like, I, I don't mind saying that. I mean, we are a better team. And I'm it's like, amazing. okay, yeah. And, I, and what does that tell you? Dude had confidence in his team. He wasn't afraid to put himself out there because if you look on the flip side, had we not won that game, oh, man, man who knows? But, uh, you know, I think that you have to have people to back you. And I think that he said that he said that, that because he really felt confident that we would, you know, we would beat San Francisco. And obviously we did. And uh, to this day, it's just part of his whole legacy. See, like, I don't know of another coach like that, like in, in that would, you know, would like people have made guarantees, but like, you know, it's different, right? Like it's different, you know, it's even different to say like, I don't know, like if you're Alabama, we're going to beat Auburn in the iron bowl, right? Like it's, it's not the same, right? It's not the same to be the reigning world champs going up against, you know, this great 49ers team, whatever, like as the, like, there's no, there's no platform larger than being the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, so to do that, it's, it's just really, um, like, like bold doesn't even cover it. And so I, and it's one of those, like, I, I feel like there have been people who try have tried to mimic Jimmy in the, in the years that have, have gone by. I think maybe the, the closest example in terms of like one, not wannabes, but people who have tried really hard is Rex Ryan. Like Rex really tried to be that, you know, boisterous. I don't, I don't give a rat's ass. I, you know, I, I'm going to just tell you what I think type thing. And, but to your point, Rex guaranteed a lot of things that that backfired and blew up in his face. And so, like, now, you know, people think of that. I mean, Jimmy was the ultimate, like, shoot your shot, call your shot guy. And I just – I have to imagine that had to be, like, really inspiring for you guys. Like, if, if you had any doubt, not that you did, going into that second title game, like, you had to feel like if this dude is willing to, to do this for us, like, of course we're going to go out there and kick their ass. And I think that that's what we, 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 we felt like that we could always do um, because we – we had this coach that uh, was so passionate about the game, was so passionate about com 
uh, competition and detail and everything goes along with that. And, you know, there's only one Jimmy Johnson. You, you can't use his, you know, his, his repertoire or, you know, his, uh, his style, you know, the, the things that he really, the novelty of it, you know, the, the fact that he was able to come up with these different antidotes or whatever. I'm trying to think of what, you know, these things that he used to motivate and things he said and, and you can't emulate that because it's only there's there's that's the original one. And look, if you you got to build your own legacy, and I think he was the one that really, really felt like that this was his legacy and felt like he had this big plan. Um, and I thought it was interesting when I was when I was doing my interview on my podcast. I asked him about the whole breakup with, with Jerry, and and he goes, Tony, um, you know, I already had my mind made up that the, I, this that 94 is going to be my last year. And I'm like, really? Uh, and so his whole deal is like, he is so invested in what he's trying to accomplish emotionally, uh, physically. And I think at the end of the day, it's very you know draining for him. And, um, but I think that's kind of what he, he did to the players. I mean, he drained us from everything. You're talking about draining a swamp, man. I mean, he drained every, alligator every snake everything out of there uh to accomplish what he needed to win to do um i i mean i feel like you could i know you could go on forever and ever with stories the last one i wanted to ask about uh because it sounds i mean it, just, it doesn't sound like i mean i know um that you guys were really inspired by him in a lot of different ways and you mentioned nobody nobody could ever replicate or emulate what he did um, whether it be positive or, or negative, psychological warfare, whatever. Uh, the Curvin Richard story is one that also gets told a lot. Um, and, and I feel like that that's an important piece to who Jimmy was as a coach. I, like you, you can't, I, I feel like it's actually unfair to Jimmy to just look at the, the how about them Cowboys moment, the guarantees and say he was just this like boisterous guy because you talk so much about how he demanded competition and he demanded excellence. Again, for anyone who doesn't know, Curvin Richards running back on y'all's team, the final regular season game in 1992. You guys are already the top seed in the NFC. You're playing the Chicago Bears, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it's, I think it was a meaningless mm -hmm. game. And Kervin Richards fumbles twice because Emmett's not playing and, you know, not an ideal thing by any means. And not that Kervin Richards was going to play a lot in the playoffs with, with Emmett Smith there, but Jimmy cuts him and, and, and Jimmy cuts him because he doesn't want a dude who's going to fumble. Um, despite the fact that he couldn't fill that at the time, fill that roster spot heading into the playoffs, just simply rather wanted to move on without Kervin Richards to avoid having that near his team. Like I have to like that, that if I was in that locker room with you, like at, at Valley ranch in that moment and somebody comes in and says, Oh, Tony TC, man, Jimmy cut Kervin Richards. Or like that would have sent a chill up my spine. Like I would have been freaked out. You know what I mean? Like, what was that like? Well, I think it was, uh, it was one of those questions you ask yourself that could have been me. Uh, or if I do something, because you got to remember, there's a lot of role players. It's not just all the franchise guys, right. established players. It's everyone that has a role. And most of those, 85% of your team is made up of those guys. Uh, and so whatever your role may be, his whole deal is like, I got to be able to trust you. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that happens. And I think that he felt like, I think we had, uh, I'm trying to think of who the other running back was at Lincoln. Lincoln Coleman was the next year, I believe. But anyway, I just, I, he felt like they always had to send messages to everyone else and, and it had to, 
it had to resonate with you. And you have to, always, again, it's all about being uncomfortable and not having any security. For some reason, he was very able, he was, it was great. He was a, he was an expert on being able to do that, to manipulate you, uh, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, but the better story is, I don't know if you've, if, if you've heard this one before, is when he, he mentioned the Chicago Bears, John Roper. I don't know if you ever heard this story, but they, I think they traded for, we signed John Roper. And uh, he was a special teams guy slash linebacker. He's a pretty good player. Uh, well, special teams was one of the biggest aspects of our team. Joe, Joe Avizano. Oh, yeah. Joe Avizano was the, uh, you know, he was the uh, special teams whisperer, aficionado. I mean, special teams met really, really was relevant back then. So everyone would go to, you know, Joe's meeting we, the night before the, the, the Saturday the night for our, our game on the road at home. Everyone had to go to Joe's special teams meeting. I mean, it was like Joe was a head coach. So during the week, John Roper was. Uh, in a special teams meeting with uh, with uh, Joe Avizano. And he was sitting there you know, watching film. And Jimmy kind of snuck in behind him and was like sitting behind him. And all of a sudden, you know, John, Hope, John Roper didn't see Jimmy. So John Roper decides that he wants to take a nap. So John, John Roper is just sleeping in a special teams meeting with Jimmy Johnson sitting behind him. Jimmy taps him on the shoulder, says, hey, Hey, John, you know what? Why don't you go in the locker room and take a nap? So John gets up, and he cut him before that day's practice because he fell asleep. So those are the things that Jimmy would do. He just brought him in and, like, John, hey, you know what? Now, he, all, he, he went on to say later that if that would have been Troy, just waking right. him up and said, hey, Troy, you're going to watch the film. But that's what he did. The Kervin Richards example is a perfect an example of – how he connected, but John Rope, I felt sorry for him, but I don't know if a lot of people ever tell that story, but that's a true story. I mean, he just fell asleep at the wrong time. Right. And I mean, I had time. <laughs> I just like, I, like those stories, the Kervin Richards, the John Roper story. If, if I have to imagine, I have to believe that, you know, every player on that team, you know, with, with the exceptions that you talk about, like Troy knew he had a different standing, but, but to Troy's credit, he, you know, he, he did his part. He never took advantage of that. Right. But I have to imagine, you mentioned that's 85% of your team, right. Is, is these, you know, guys who are all contributing to the overall cause that, that, that had to constantly like the Kervin Richards example to me, like you have to, in that moment, think like, Oh, hell yeah, we're the top seed in the NFC. We've got a first round by, we're going to kick everybody's asses. Let's chill. And then you find out that somebody gets cut. You know what I mean? Like if, if you had any idea of resting or losing a shred of focus, like that has to dial you back in. And, and to your point, he was a master manipulator in the, in the like purpose, in the vein of getting the most out of you guys, which he clearly did. Yeah. In 92 was the first, our first Super Bowl win. So think about Kervin Richards who fumbled the ball and got cut didn't have the opportunity to go to the playoffs to go to the Super Bowl because of a mistake. And I mean, I'm sure Kervin, Swerving Kervin was, was thinking, he wasn't even thinking about it. It's probably the least thing he was worried about, but you know, the, so the, the message was, is that we're not going to make mistakes. We're not going to get beat by uh, you know, mistakes like that. Um, mental errors, especially we're not going to have the, I'm not going to tolerate that. 
And so even as you mentioned, you talk about Troy and I mentioned like him tapping him on the show. Hey, Troy, wake up and not not tell him to go in the locker room and then cut him because that's not going to happen. But I think people respected that because they knew that that's what Jimmy uh, expected. And I think most importantly of this whole thing is that he commanded structure. And when you were in that building, there was structure. There was discipline. And everyone knew that that was Jimmy's way of running a football team. So, I mean, this just has to be, I imagine Saturday will be a very cool day for you all. I mean, you know, it, it's a day for all of you. I mean, it's a day for Jimmy and, and obviously Jimmy's at the center of it, but it has to feel like, it has to feel like the final piece. You know what I mean? Like everything's finally where it, where it needs to be. Jimmy's finally in the hall of fame. I know this is, this is a drum you've all beaten forever. Um, you know, I, you know, I know every, every cowboy from your team who's in the hall of fame in their speech has said, Jimmy needs to be in here, et cetera. Uh, what will you feel on Saturday? What will, what will TC be feeling in, in the old chorus zone? I, I just think it's a time where everyone can uh, just really show their appreciation and really just, uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's a, an amazing feat for you know, Jimmy's record. When you look at Jimmy's record, it's not one of the best records in the National Football League. You can look at all the other Hall of Fame coaches are in, but it's how he accomplished it. Um, and what he did for the evolution of the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s. And I think that that's really kind of how he's transcended this whole thing. You know, Jimmy was a guy that had his hands on everything, from GM duties to player personnel to everything. I mean, he was one of those guys. And I think that he would he did something for each person. Um, and we could tell the crazy Jimmy Johnson stories and the discipline and everything he had, but Really, the fact that he brought me into Dallas and gave me an opportunity, I, you know, it's a good, great way to for us to, you know, to put him on a pedestal and really just give thanks to what he's done and to see that. I mean, the accomplishment of what he's been able to do with that team and ultimately where it is now. I think that there's so many people that should appreciate what the man has done because he made a lot of personnel decisions. There's a lot of tough love. And there's a lot of decisions that he made that probably, yeah, I don't know. He, I don't know if he regrets it, but I think every player that was part of that whole fraternity will think, you know, I was part of it. And I think that that's what he really, when I talked to him, is that he really wants people to realize that it wasn't just me. It was a staff, it was administration, it was the players. And when you connect all those things, you felt like you're part of him getting in the National Football League because you had something to do with that. So. I think that's the biggest compliment that all the players can have. And just be proud of a man so deserving uh, that's going into the pro, pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing how other people on the staff have become legendary in their own right. We talked about Joe Avizano, obviously Dave Wanstead, North Turner, who's had an incredible career afterwards. Rich Darrymple, Jimmy's guy, I mean, continues to obviously, um, you know, be the GOAT. Um, I, I just, you know it's cool. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, really exciting, um, to see how this is all going to unfold. Obviously it's, it's been a long time coming, um, obviously in general, but just with the fact that we've had to wait an entire year because of COVID and whatnot. Um, I'm really excited to see what he has to say. Um, I, I have to imagine he'll be somewhat emotional, um, you know, and, and I just, 
I don't know. This, this is a really cool moment as a Dallas Cowboys fan. Like, you know, it, it does feel and and I feel like it, it does get lost. And you, you said it that Jimmy Jimmy re-catapulted the brand of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Jerry's done an incredible job and I, I don't want to make this about Jerry, but I mean, he's obviously done an, an amazing job at, at fortifying the brand. But people forget that when when you guys got there, like it was not glitzy and glamoury like yes they they were america's team but like they were not this world dominant brand at the time i mean they had they had fallen off it kind of feels like um I, have you seen the new space jam i haven't but have you seen the new one no no but, I, but, I, I i don't know if i'll watch it I, yeah. I hear it's good but it's but you've seen like you've seen the original though right obviously oh yeah yeah but you okay. know i had a lot of people that new one and then the old one and said it's, it's kind of like jimmy you, you just can't emulate and right uh and well, do a, a prequel not a prequel but you know do a sequel to something right. that was so good well you remember in the original um when when jordan first gets to the gym with all the looney tunes and it's like this yeah. piece this piece of crap and jordan's like this is the gym and they're like oh all it needs is a little spit shine you know what i mean and then they all start like right. spitting and hawking at it mm -hmm. whatever and then then it's like beautiful and glamorous it feels like jimmy gave the cowboys a spit shot you know what i mean and like and then as soon as like he was done and he left i mean all of a sudden it's this beautiful diamond in the nfl you know like it, I, I don't want to say y'all were a spit shine but like that's kind of like that was his approach in some ways yeah and and, and i think also when i watch him give a speech i think we'll all it'll, it'll we'll be able to relive those moments again relive 25 years however long it's been since he's been out of coaching since he led us to super bowl we'll be able to relive those moments and really it's almost like we're putting up on our shoulders and celebrating again because of what he was able to accomplish so i think that that's something that will be interesting i and really what he's going to say um i think it'll be pretty epic to be able to watch that. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, it's going to be a great celebration. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go or not, because I just think that it's one of those deals that, uh, that'll be hard to get around it and embrace it because there's just so much stuff going on. Um, but I think we are going to try to have something back in Dallas where we can all just the players get together and celebrate it where it's more intimate, if that makes sense that kicks ass like that i guarantee you like every dallas cowboys fan thinks that's the coolest thing ever that y'all still get together break bread uh drink water surely um and uh you know just just tell stories You're talking laugh. about water and tequila uh, yes. uh, <laughs> i mean i ha have you ever like are you a heineken guy like did you were you ever inspired to take up heineken because of jimmy specific because I, I guarantee you there is a dallas cowboys fan somewhere that drinks heineken as gross as it is because Jimmy Johnson is a Heineken guy. You know what? I never did. Uh, I never really, really just wanted to pattern myself after Jimmy Johnson, especially when it comes to beer, because there's to me that there's not really a beer I don't like. Uh, but uh, it's a good beer. But uh, I think it's the way he, you know, the whole tag with it, the Heinekens right. and the nachos and everything. And, you know, we could do a three hour podcast, just stories about Jimmy. I mean, I could sit here and rattle off so many of these stories, but, you know, that's the uniqueness of it. I mean, everyone has to have a story. Everyone has to have how they got there and how this thing all formulated and the the story, the ending. And I just think it's a great end of ending story to this book about Jimmy Johnson finally getting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hopefully the Ring of Honor will follow that uh, shortly. But it's kind of like what Troy said. It's like, I don't really think that he – 
cares about the Ring of Honor anymore. He said, you know, I'm in the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, so this is something that I, this is the end of my book. This is into everything as far as my football career. And so I, that's the thing I'm excited about, RJ. My last question, and then we'll, we'll wrap up and get out of here. Uh, obviously, this is Jimmy's choice, but he picked Troy to present him. I know mm-hmm. he has Terry Bradshaw. Like he has a, a fleet of people that are part of it, whatever. But, but Troy is the one presenting him. If you could have picked his presenter, I know that's a weird question, but would you have picked Troy? Is that the person that that because you, you've talked so much about how Troy, you know, was y'all's quarterback and what he meant to you guys? Like, I have to believe that for all of you, it feels right that Troy is the one presenting him. It feels right, but I, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm surprised I'd be some, somewhat closer to him. Uh, not that Troy's not close to right. him. Um, so I, I thought maybe it would be maybe in his, one of his family members or someone like that. But I just think that him and Troy are really close. I think that they understand the, I guess, the perception of them. Not if you watch the football life, you watch the Troy story. Uh, you know, the time that he was, you know, when we got our asses kicked by uh, the Detroit Lions in the divisional game and Steve Berline was, a, you know, was a quarterback and, you know, you know, Troy was 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 fine with his knee and he wanted to play. But then you fast forward and you're like, well, that, it, it did surprise him, but it doesn't. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, you know, because those guys came in together. Mm-hmm. You know, they they both were on the same wavelength. They both like structure. They, they it's black and white to them. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Stoic. Uh, you know, Troy was a in, in some way Stoic in a good way because mm-hmm. he kind of had that persona where it's all business and this is how I'm going to motivate. So they had similar personalities, if you will. So I think yeah, I think if anyone that you would you you would select to present you or so I understand Terry's the one that's going to present him in, and he's doing an introduction uh, mm-hmm. on video that he did. That yeah, it makes a lot of sense because uh, those guys built this thing. I mean, you you have to have everything else to go along with it, but they've been through a lot, and uh, they spent a lot of time together. Um, and I they keep they kept in touch for a long time, and uh, you know they're to me they're they're a lot alike. So it makes a lot of sense that he would do that. Not That's in a bad awesome. way. I just, right. I mean, Troy's, I mean, I love Troy. Troy's done, he's a, he's a great teammate and he's a, he's a great friend. So, um, I mean, it's a huge honor. I mean, could you imagine of all the people that either, you know, anyone would select to present him in the hall of fame that you got picked. And I think that that's what Troy said. He said, look, it's one of the biggest honors I've ever got to be able to be part of that celebration. And think about it, all the people he could have picked. Troy, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson, and he selects Troy Eggman. Think about that huge honor. Yeah, but yeah, I it's mean, it's only appropriate that the that he would be the guy. I mean, Troy is is obviously such a a, a product of the coaching tree. I mean, uh, Emmett and and Irv both chose Jerry to present them. Troy chose North Turner. You know what I mean? So like Troy is Troy has always been there, um, and so it is very cool. Uh, well, you nice. know what? It, 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 when I think about it, I always thought you know, Michael Irvin was really I – mean, he was played for him at Miami. I thought, well, right. maybe if if he did select someone from, you know, the franchise that, that was part of the 90s dynasty, maybe it would be Michael Irvin. But, uh, again, Troy Eggman, can't go wrong with that dude. I mean, he's probably going to – he'll nail it, knock it out of the park. 
Nah, and I mean, what a what a win for Fox because this, you know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame games on Fox. They have Troy from Fox presenting Jimmy from Fox. That's just a nice, nice week to be Fox. It's really awesome. But you know, I think it's kind of interesting the way they did it. You know, Thursday night, the Thursday night uh, game, and not a Saturday game because the introduction because the induction is on Saturday. I just thought it was kind of interesting well, the way they did it. So they they flipped that. Um, I think five years ago. Uh, because they used to do the game on Sunday after right. the ceremony, but the the field was a disaster uh, beca- because uh, they they have the the ceremony on the field and it gets all beat up because everybody's so like that's how they started putting the game before it. But um, but yeah, it will be cool. Four preseason games for the Dallas Cowboys next week, Tony. We're gonna have a football game to talk about and react to. Are you excited? I am. It'd be interesting to see what the uh, you know what the the top topics will be and what would be breaking down. Well, whatever they are, we will be breaking them down. Tony, <laughs> hey, we Casillas, have football. That's the most important thing, correct? We have football. Oklahoma is so jealous of AM. They had to join the SEC. It's cool. You know, it's a big deal, whatever. Uh, Tony, have a great week. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week. This was the 750.